Welcome to AM Best Audio. As brokers, MGAs, and others look to grow their businesses, many are finding a niche and transitioning from being a generalist to a specialist to increase efficiency, credibility, retention, and revenue. I'm Lori Chortis for AMBEST TV, and welcome to our special presentation from generalist to specialist. Joining us today to talk about how narrowing their focus on risk can broaden brokers and MGA's opportunities for success is a panel of three industry thought leaders. They are Jeff McKernan, CEO of NSM Insurance Group. Jeff, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Lori. Also joining us today is Choi Korsgaden, founder and principal of insurance carrier consulting firm Korsgaden International and author of the book, Specialization, the Master Key to Agency Transformation. Choi, as always, it's great to see you. Excited to be here, Laura. And last but certainly not least is Richard Augustine, founder and CEO of NIP Group. Rich, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Laura, good to be here. Rich, we're going to kick off today's discussion with you. There's been a lot of talk about specialization over the years. What are the benefits and why is it so important for brokers, agents, and others to transition from taking a one-size-fits-all approach to becoming a specialist? Lori, thanks. It's a great question. Um, specialization allows agents and brokers and MGAs to really set themselves apart from their competitors, uh, far beyond the table stakes. Uh, whether the specialization is at the line of business level, um, at the industry level, or even at a region. Um, it gives them kind of a unique competitive advantage and what you might want to call kind of a sustainable right to win. And, and that's very important when you only earn a commission if you're successful, uh, a broker recommends you or a customer selects you. Thanks, Rich. Jeff, why do you feel that specialization is important? And would you say the generalist structure perhaps no longer suits today's insurance marketplace? I would tell you that's spot on. And the reason is, let's take a step back. If you build something today, if you build a house, right, your HVAC guy is not going to do your electrical. Your concrete guy is not going to do your plumbing. People want specialists today. And in the market today, consumers want a specialist. So whether you're selling automobile insurance, they want to speak to somebody that's a specialist in that area, or, you know, we have a pet insurance business. When they call up, they want to speak. All they're talking to is people who know pets from the, from the DNA all the way down. And what the consumer wants, as well as the agent wants, they want to speak to somebody who consistently writes and understands these accounts. And more importantly, the carrier who we represent and gives us a capacity, they want to feel good about you as the MGA or program manager, that you have an expertise in what you're doing. So having that going to the specialist, you know, it helps everybody, as Rich says, all, all around. It comes full circle. So what do brokers and MGAs need to do to identify a niche and move towards specialization? Troy, how do they find their specialty or the risks they want to focus on? Yeah, as we look back at the, the way the industry was set up, everybody was a generalist when they got into the business, and it's just too hard to learn everything. Although the customer doesn't have five dentists, they have one. They don't have four doctors, they have one. They don't have 10 CPAs, they have one. But that CPA or doctor or lawyer, whoever you're dealing with, the professional has expertise partners because they can't be all things. They can't know all things. But they are the gateway to all things, insurance and financial services. So as we think about insurance, 
you've just got to have people to the earlier conversation that are experts. People expect expertise and the specialist can gain that expertise and you can scale it because you don't have to do it all at one time. You can do it one line at a time, one risk at a time. And everybody that works in the organization can be a profit center, not a cost center. Under generalization, it's just too hard to scale today uh, as it wasn't in the past. Jeff, you've developed successful and profitable specialty insurance programs during your 30-year your career. Can you tell us how you did that? Sure. What we've looked at over the years is really we're agnostic to the insurance part. We really care about the industry which we enter. So what we like to do is look at in, in industries and then develop insurance products around those industries. For example, click a car business, correct? So we saw there's a need there. We saw there were people doing that. What we saw is, hey, we can offer expertise, but that's a growing part. We looked at our, we were the largest insurer of, of tow trucks in the United States. So you know what? Whether you have an electric car, whether you have a push car, whether you have a gas car, it's going to break down. You're going to have to have somebody to tow that thing. So we saw that industry, the tow truck industry, and that's specific within the whole big commercial industry. We say, let's go after a specific part of a bigger industry. That's what we see. So we're always looking to see in what industries can we develop, implement, underwrite, and distribute a profitable underwriting to our carrier and have an industry where we can grow that business. That's what's very important. So Rich, how did you grow NIP Group into a specialty insurance program administrator? Um, uh, Jeff uh, laid out a, a really good example. Um, we too started um, trying to find ways to differentiate ourselves in industry-focused uh, programs in a way that created underwriting profit potential for the carriers we partnered with and value to everyone uh, along the way, whether it's the agent, the broker, um, the insured. And um, look, we've had plenty of setbacks. Uh, it's a risk-bearing business. Uh, you're learning. Um, and each time uh, we had a setback, uh, it was an important learning opportunity for us. And what we found culturally though, is probably the most important thing is that you have to have a group of people who are not afraid fail. Um, they're not afraid to change. Um, because as you're evolving, you know, Jeff's example, whether it's tow trucks or in our example, it might be the largest insurer of tree services in the country. Um, you know, that evolution requires um, learning, uh, failing, and kind of repeating that over and over again. And we've grown from a generalist retail insurance broker over 25, 30 years ago into a single program MGA and today we have a business platform that supports 25 programs, industry focused, uh, 12 lines of business across the country. While creating those programs, how challenging has it been to find talent specialized in your niche areas? It's extremely difficult to find talent. Um, you know, our industry is at full employment um, and many of our most experienced team members are reaching retirement age. And so it's not a problem specifically to us, but it's an industry-wide problem. I think it gets harder to solve when you're niche-focused. Um, you know, we're running a current search today, and our national talent pool is less than 10 people. So I mean, that really is very different than if, if you're more of a generalist. Um, so you have to figure out ways to solve those problems. It becomes a full company commitment uh, you know, to talent acquisition. Um, and the other thing is you have to be ready to hire talent 
uh, when they're ready to move, not necessarily when you're ready to hire them. I mean, an example would be, um, you know, you don't dig a well when you're thirsty. It's the same approach you have to take, you know, with talent management. Yeah, and I would say to that, Rich, that's a very good point. You know, it's a, um, there's, we're aging out. Rich and I, you know, 10 years ago, we're, you know, the thick of it. Now, you know, we're on the upper scale, that which is, I find kind of interesting. What we've done over the years, the last 15 years, we've had a very robust um, intern program. And that has been done, has done us very well, where we've put kids, whether they're risk management kids, finance kids, marketing teams, into different parts of our business where they've excelled. And we've, our um, retention on those kids has been very high because we give them experiences, we give them a career path where they can excel. And that point has, has been very beneficial to us. But to go out and get somebody, you know, what we've also done, we've also started hiring outside the industry. Our belief is, okay, if you're a good salesperson, if you're a good technical person, if you know math, I can make you a good underwriter. And we can show you that career path. So, you know, I, I think still insurance is that kept secret um, that, you know, we today, today there's more schools that are doing risk management programs. And we hire a lot, you know, around the country from those risk management programs. But we are also hiring analytics people. Today. We are hiring marketing specialists. Um, we are hiring specialists in operations. And those people come from all over. We've hired people from Amazon. We've hired people from trucking companies. We've hired uh, people from, you know, just, you know, uh, you know tow operations, commercial automobile operations. Uh, we've hired people that were in uh, automobile sales organizations. So it's learning where to go in those industries that you're focused in and tell them about how good the insurance business is and telling that story. I think the more we can tell that story, hey, what a great career path this could be in the industry. And it's, you know, it's not your, just your local Allstate agency hanging out on the side there. So there's yeah. more to it than that. So. Yeah, and I'll, I'll echo both great comments. I, I think today it's all about recruiting and uh, that the well comment was uh, taken. Uh, both of you had great comments. I think we need to be out and really be dedicated to recruiting people. Insurance is a lot more sexy than it was when I got into it. I got in in 1983 and I like to kid my company that I started with gave me a big old book of business called The Phone Book. <laughs> but I, but I, bought, I bought the vision, right? And I think that's, I think a lot of us go out today in the industry and try to hire people and we don't sell them on what a great industry this is. And it's better than it used to be because there are people that are working with drones, with AI, with virtual reality. There's going to be flying cars and all this stuff is exciting. And a generalist can't know all about all this stuff, whether it's underwriting risk placement or whether it's uh, marketing, uh, which is my forte, it, I, you have to be an expert and people want a surgeon when they're getting cut open. They don't want their GP, but the GP partners with that person. So I just, I think it's showing you getting on the ground floor and you do have a career path like you just described. Here's how it could look. And it may be different for you than it was for me. Uh, but once you get in, you you learn your specialty, but it's all about relationships in our business. It's the same as it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Troy, you have helped agents in your own agency become specialists. Have you found the transition to be a relatively quick and easy process or does it take time? Yeah, I, when I when I owned my agency for 35 years, I grew it because I had a very short attention span. 
And, and I had no tolerance for people who couldn't just quickly learn. That's not a good trait. So to get around that, I would give them one thing instead of having them all over the board like I was. I was I knew a lot of stuff, but I wasn't great at any of it. But I started hiring to uh, people that could do things I couldn't do. They became profit centers. They weren't cost centers. It's easy to decide who's making you money when they're doing one thing. When they're doing 10, they're all over the board. And business is about making a profit. And so it was easy for me because I had a deficiency myself that I built on. Now, as I helped other agents in the industry scale, and everybody wants to be like these guys, they want to be big. Uh, so you start small, uh, but you want to have a, a team of 25, 50, 200, 500, 1,000 people. But to get to that, you can't do it under uh, being a generalist agency. You've got to have a specialized agency where everybody collaborates with expertise who serve the customer like a large law firm or like a large medical clinic. And so we just started modeling ours after other industries. And we just found that it worked really well for us. We're, we're not all things to all people, but we're the starting point. We're that gateway where the customer goes to find out where they can get advice, service, and solutions. So after you make the transition from generalist to specialist and you find your niche, Jeff, how do you know it's working and how do you measure success? You know, great question, Laura. The measure success is number one. Are you providing profitable premium to your carrier? And why is that important? Because if you don't provide profitable premium to your carrier, you're not going to be in business. The, the carriers are partners. Those who provide the capacity are our partners. And on top of that, what do we look at? Is the distribution diverse? Um, is, is the number of units? A lot of people just count premium, but you got to have a number of units growing. So how are you growing your business? Are you going to diversify? Are you going to buy the number of units, number of accounts you're adding on? And while you're doing that, are you providing that resource to your agent, i.e. that customer say, are you providing, hey, you know what? He's an expert. Are you, are you becoming that fear of influence? So if we see those things hit while providing um, underwriting profit of the carrier, we know we're a success. And we measure that on a weekly basis. We go through all the KPIs, number of submissions, number of agents, what's the hit ratio, what's the declination, why are you declining business? You know, is it a geographic issue? Is it a rate issue? Is it a loss issue? You got to figure into that. You know, how many times, you know, Richard, I can tell you straight, how many times we've worked with the same agency and, you know, two different two different producers give you different amounts of business. What's It's a personality thing sometimes. Or maybe there's different books. So it, it all you have to keep track of the numbers. But first and foremost, are you growing the business in a profitable way where the carrier says, hey, give me more of this? If they're saying, hey, I'm not so sure about this, they're gonna then you gotta stick back and say, what are we doing? And you know, we've all had programs that have been successes, and we all we all have had ones that have had setbacks, you know. Yeah, no, I would I would agree hundred percent with, with what Jeff said and 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 growth has to be based on providing carriers with underwriting profit potential. It may not be profitable, um, but it has to have that profit potential um, when you're placing the business with, with the carrier. And I, mean, I think you'll know you're, you'll be successful in addition to the ways that, that Jeff outlined is, are you really getting a network effect working for you? You know, as, as Jeff mentioned, are brokers talking to each other and recommending you? Um, are um, customers in that particular industry uh, whether it's towing, tree services, or you can name the industry, are they talking to each other? And are you getting referrals either directly or through your broker channel partners? Are carriers coming to you? 
and, and saying, hey, I know you're an expert in this area. We'd like to get some exposure to that industry um, or that line of business. Mm -hmm. And so you'll see those network effects really start to work for you. Um, and so what Jeff's talking about is definitely kind of the leading indicators uh, that is going in the right direction. And some of the, the lagging indicators will be these network effects, which are extremely powerful uh, and compound over time. I mean, this is a compounding lab, if you think about it. That expertise is compounding over time, and, and that really will show up in these measures. You know, I just want what Roy talked about, Troy, I'm sorry, is the um, agents talk, and agents today are experts. Mm -hmm. you know, one of our programs is CHAMP, or one of the largest insurer of coastal condominiums in the country. We only deal with about 15 agents. Right. Why? because they're all specialists. They all become specialists in this business. I don't want a condo from a guy because his brother sits on the condo board. I want somebody who's been insuring condos for years. And what's happened over the last 10 years, especially is independent agents and the producers have become specialists. And they are the ones who say, okay, you know what? We're gonna to go to Rich or we're gonna to go to Jeff because they also are specialists in this business and they feel confident we're gonna deliver on a coverage and a price that their customer can live with. So it, you know, it's a vertical integration. The agents are becoming experts because their customers want them to have expertise. And then they want to go to experts so they can place the business in a quick and an efficient manner all the way through. And then the carrier likes that because they know through the whole chain that they're getting consistency of expertise through the whole thing. That's what really, you know, it, it really goes vertically. So yeah. that Echoing that, I would say that uh, the the agents then start not just selling price. Exactly. They're, sell, they're selling a value-added service. They're selling the long-term relationship. It's not just one renewal. Uh, you know, and, and so the people that are purchasing are also looking at this more realistically going, okay, how can you help us three years from now, five years from now because of this relationship? So I would agree. I mean, you're seeing the that um, the alignment of capital and expertise across um, the whole value chain, you know, all the way from the underwriting risk capital, um, you know, through the distribution channel, uh, all the way down to the beneficiary of the insured. And, and, and that, you know, that really is, that alignment has been taking place over the last you know, 25 or 30 years. And that trend is continuing. Troy, you just talked about relationships. How does changing one's organizational structure to become a specialist help strengthen and build customer relations while also achieving economies of scale and sales growth? Yeah, so I'll, I'll talk about that from an agent broker perspective in a local community or a region, if you will. But when you look at it, you say, okay, we're going to put somebody on, they're going to be a specialist, and let's just use one of the examples of tow trucks or the tree. It, you you use that as your way in the door for the firm that you're representing. Uh, you're the expert there, but that's not the only business you want to have with that business owner. They've got autos, they've got homes, they've got life insurance, they've got financial services. The real arms race in the industry today is to be the gateway to all things insurance and financial services. So you lead with your expertise and the people are, this is my, this is my firm. But I want to have everything in one place if possible. And so I'm going to go to them before I go anywhere else. They're the first thing I think about for service and advice. And then that's an opportunity to offer more solutions. So it's easier to scale. But, the, you know, one of the, the downfalls is we get into silos as human beings 
and we only think about our expertise and we should be that expert, but it's deepening the relationship and blocking out the competition. There's always somebody that's trying to do the same thing as you. And the more you can have, uh, the harder it is for the person to get away. Even if the pricing goes up, uh, they look and go, now I've, I've got to have this whole package. I get the expertise partner in you know, the trees, tree trimming or in the towing. Uh, but I have everything there because I don't have time to go to 10 different places right. to get information. So it's the anchor brand, if you will. You know, it's that lead. It's the thing that keeps it together. But the profit is found by having everything. And some are low margin uh, commissions, some are high margin, but the whole totality is what we're looking for. Rich, what are some of the other benefits that you found from knowing the ins and outs of a particular industry or risk? And does specialization lead to higher conversations with consumers, increased workflow, and better networking opportunities? That's a great question. I mean, I, I think if money compounds, so does time and expertise. And, and, and that compounding effect really uh, shows up in a number of ways. Um, we're in a data business at, at the end of the day. And you also start to um, build valuable data sets and that allows you to examine those, analyze them to make better decisions, faster decisions and ask the right questions. The last thing a broker wants to do is answer 30 standard questions. <laughs> okay. They want to reduce down, use your data, use your expertise and ask me the three to five questions that matter the most. I don't have time to ask my client those questions, especially when they might not be specifically applicable to that, that company. And I can tell you the other thing is, and this is uh, rewarding, um, if you examine your data and, and you examine it in real time, you're gonna spot claim trends and you can actually prevent accidents from happening. Now we had a situation, you know, three crane trucks tipped over in a very short period of time, worth several hundred thousand, uh, thousands of dollars each. Um, and when we examined it, um, we found that there was a common operator error. Uh, we contacted the manufacturer. We brought it to their attention. Uh, they made adjustments to their equipment. They made adjustments to the communication and training. And since that point in time, knock on wood, we haven't seen a single claim occur. And we were really happy that those claims occurred without anyone getting injured. But clearly someone could have gotten injured. And uh, we feel you know, we may have prevented that from occurring. So I think overall, expertise is rewarding and, and, and it's valuable. Risks are always changing. Rich, is focusing on niche areas challenging in the face of an ever-growing and ever-changing risk landscape, or are there opportunities to come from that? I think it's, it's challenging because risks are being driven by technology changing. And technology is reshaping you know, whole industries that, that we insure. Um, and that creates new and emerging risks. It creates new opportunities to gain expertise in. Um, and those risks have to be managed, uh, priced, and, and transferred. Uh, and ultimately, you know, creates opportunities, you know, for those that are willing to spend the time and effort uh, to really specialize and become an expert in a particular uh, niche area. I'm just thinking about that. If you go back, you know, you know, Troy and Rich, you guys think about 20 years ago when we all talked about employment practices liability, EPL. When we all we're all about the same age, when we thought about that, like what is this, right? Now we now it's commonplace. Now let's fast forward. So you had to get expertise into that. 
Yeah. You got to understand what is that employment discrimination, sexual, sexual harassment, all those things. Now you fast forward and what are you insuring? The biggest uh, coverage today is you better be offering your client cybersecurity. That's right. Um, and that we didn't, none of us knew what that was. The internet wasn't there. That, that has generated, that'll be the largest cat business in the world in the next two years. Think about that. The largest cat business providing hundreds of billions of dollars to corporations to prevent, you know, hacks and ransomware and all this. That even if we talk go back five years ago, it wasn't on the top of everybody's. Now it is the number one thing. Take another example. So what has that done? You have you have kids in college today majoring in cybersecurity that wasn't even a factor years ago. So that is a whole new risk on how to do that. So whether you're a bank, whether you're, you know, I'll use a tow truck operator, whether you're an arborist, you're collecting money, you're having money, you have data on people, you have to protect that data. It's our job to provide a risk management solution to that. You know, the agent has to be trained on what that is and isn't, then he has to train his client. You know, the, the risk taker, the carrier has to understand what are they? What are they taking? What is their aggregation of that? They need to buy reinsurance. You know, we have businesses over in the UK, and one of the things we're looking at is we're looking at space and the launch of satellites. You know, you have Virgin, you have Amazon, um, you have Elon Musk putting up satellites at an ungodly rate. It's becoming commonplace. That wasn't heard of. You know, you're going to have a lot of that. That's a whole new risk atmosphere. You know, if you go back ten years ago, twelve, who put up satellites? NASA. That's who put up satellites. Now it's a whole different game. But that it's to us, that's a whole new area to ensure. It's a wonderful thing. It's really kind of neat. So you, you know, through those risks, and you have corporations who might be funding that. So you gotta, you know, you gotta analyze that risk. How does it affect them? What's going on? So the whole point is the as the world evolves and industries evolve, we as an insurance business are evolving to meet those needs. Because yeah. people want insurance. I experienced the cyber myself. Uh, I'm a consultant to insurance carriers. They all have a clause in the contract about cyber. They've got a real risk, right? It's yeah. not a risk for their policyholders, but for the representatives that represent them and so on and so forth. Well, one size doesn't fit all. I got a lesson in this just this year, looking at all my contracts and going, okay, where am I really, where do I have an exposure? And I had to get an expertise partner because it's not my forte. Uh, it wasn't that my insurance rates went up. I just needed somebody to explain to me, where do I uh, present an exposure to a carrier? And then you think of all the other businesses, banking and, and law firms and all that, they all have those issues too. So it's a great example. And then the other comment I would make is this, where are we going from here? You know, whether it's flying cars, you know, uh, you know, whether it's uh, blockchain and all the things that are coming up, these are all new opportunities, but they're, you're also going to have to have a place to place the risk too. So, and, and I think it worked to weave a couple of points together here. Um, it's a great time if you're early in your career or you're deciding to actually look at entering a, a, a specialized area. The pace of change is so fast, which is rendering experience less valuable. Your willingness to learn something new. Um, your ability to, to, to come up the curve quickly and experiment. Um, that's really the key uh, success factor. And it creates a, a real opportunity for those people who want to look at specialization, 
agents or brokers or MGAs, or um, someone who's early in their career and decides, to, as Jeff talked about earlier, whether you're taking an internship uh, or transferring from another industry. Um, this is a great time because you, you can um, become competitive very quickly uh, by your willingness to learn. So, Troy, what are the challenges or hurdles in becoming a specialist? And what words of advice do you have for brokers and others who may be resistant to making that change? Yeah, again, I'll take the broker agent lens on this because uh, I, I work with a lot of folks out in the industry that they want to be bigger in their offerings, whether it's regionally or, you know, some are all in every state. But as you think about the expertise partners that you're going to have, it's, it's hard to convince somebody not to go back to the generalist system. Everybody wants to put on more people, but they want somebody to answer the phone when it's ringing. They want somebody to get back to somebody. So for the smaller shop, and I'm talking, you know, two to 200, uh, to really scale it and grow, they tend to go, oh, we just lost somebody. And so therefore they need to answer the phone. I'm, I'm taking it to the ridiculous, but it's easier for bigger firms the reason it's easier, they went through the pain of adding on people, but here's the, the big advantage. When you lose a specialist, you don't lose somebody with all the institutional knowledge that took them 25, 30 years. And yes, a lot of us are gonna be aging out, but going with us is a lot of that institutional knowledge. So you don't want it all with one person, you want it as a team. And then, so when you lose somebody, you hate to lose somebody, but it's easier to replace somebody to do one thing than somebody that you're going to have to train for 10, 20 years to get up to speed on everything. So I, I love the learning aspect. I think that's great. A lot of people won't spend 15 minutes reading every day. You know, get up 15 minutes early and, you know, read the trades, you know, watch this uh, session here. I'm sure they're going to learn something by spending 15 minutes a day and you can take an hour piece and just chunk it up four different days, and that's just 15 minutes. We're real big on uh, becoming a learning organization, and uh, it's just a continuous cycle of improvement. Jeff, what have you found to be some of the biggest lessons learned when becoming a specialist, and what are some mis mistakes that one should avoid when making that transition? Sure, so a couple things. Making sure you're doing your due diligence within the industry that you're going into. That's number one, you know, really doing. I mean, doing this for 32 years, you know, we have what we, we have this dime method, which, you know, you look into different, you look into distribution, you look into underwriting, you look at, uh, you look into the industry expertise. And what we all, you know, one of the biggest things is good leaders make good programs. They develop good programs. So finding that person that understands the whole valuation of a program. Do they understand the underwriting? Do they understand the distribution? Can they go out and hire people who are the next level? That's very, very important. You know, you know, the mistakes we've learned is, you know, hey, going into industries that really will never produce an underwriting profit. We were, we were year, one of our first programs. It was a great program for us, but the carrier had a hard time making money. And, you know, that was very hard. We ended up giving the pen back after like 10 years, it just wasn't. You know, we were never going to make a consistent underwriting profit. So you have to really understand, okay, what industries are we getting in? Some things are just too volatile to be a program. Because you got to remember a program. What is it? It's a lot of accounts that are consistently producing a underwriting profit to the carrier. And then are there enough accounts that you can keep growing within the industry? That, that's important. So it's 
having a good leadership, being in an industry that you can generate an underwriting profit on a consistent basis. You're going to have some blips to the year, but can you make it on, on the things? Um, and then developing the talent that is, that is, that, that is crucial. I mean, and, and that's the build on what Jeff said. <clears throat> you know, you might find a, a very attractive niche um, as an MGA or as a, a retailer, um, but ultimately it's oversupply. We're in a market-based business. And for whatever structural reason, there's too many carriers want to chase that particular type or too many brokers want to chase that particular type of risk. Um, and, and that probably is not going to make a good area to specialize in for the long term, whether you're on the distribution side or you're trying to underwrite uh, for a profit, you know, for a risk bearing partner. Uh, so I think really looking at it, doing your diligence and really are the market dynamics right? Is the market you know, large enough? You know that, that you can create um, you know a, a good revenue opportunity for your firm uh, but not so large where, where it creates a lot of um, it's attractive to a lot of big players so it's really looking at those market characteristics and dynamics and, and making uh, a, a decision and, and maybe it doesn't work out like Jeff talked about one program uh, we've had plenty um, and you know it just turns out to be that was a good idea but not a good business yeah <laughs> and rest in peace <laughs> well, I will throw out the next question to anyone on the panel who would like to share their thoughts. Operating as a specialist, do you sometimes find yourself having to turn away business or referring it to others? Yeah, all the time. All the time. You know, we have businesses that just don't fit. And we have also get, we have a lot of, a lot of our retailers come to us with uh, program ideas. And we love that idea. We partner with somebody. But you know, I would say two out of 10 may have get legs and maybe and then one of that may work and that takes some time. And if not, if there's somebody comes like even today, I mean, not because Rich's phone, but I wouldn't know a tree from a flower. So, yeah, I'm going to call Rich and say, here it is. Because we, we're not in that business. We have no intent of being in that business. It's, you know, we have a lot of peers. I mean, we all, Rich and I joke, but we, we, we all know each other. So whether we haven't spoken in 10 years or seen in 10 years, I can pick up the phone and say, hey, Rich, you got a market for this or what are you doing on that? I think that is still, it's a still, um, you know, it's, it's a close knit industry where a lot of the major players know each other so we can talk to each other say, and help each other out with some things. That's yeah, and I think that Jeff, to your point, you, you know, Rich, you have high respect for him. He's an expertise partner of which you don't make money off of. Right. So I think it's important when somebody comes to you and they, they've been recommended to you, you're an expert. Uh, but you know, you might be an expert at brain surgery, but you're not going to go working on somebody's heart, but you know, a heart surgeon or two, and it's not just a referral. We, we like to say, don't just give them a phone number, introduce them. Virtual made that a lot easier. Let's all get on the line. I'll introduce you. I'll tell you why I think that Rich is the guy for you to talk to as your starting point. This is who I would call. And I, and I think that instills that gateway concept. You're not going to make money off of it, but he's going to do the same thing back to you and he's going to treat you with respect. And it's it's not making money on every transaction. It's just being top of mind when the client needs something and you're not going to place something you don't know what you're doing with because you want your underwriters to trust you and you want the company's carriers you represent to trust you. Yeah, no, I'll just to, to take a slightly different um, angle on the same point. Um, you know, one of the things when something doesn't fit, uh, it's a recognition of your left and right limits. 
um, of your expertise and what, what domain you're going to focus in on. Um, and separately, some of our best program ideas actually have come from our declination list. You know, what are we declining? And yeah. is there adjacent exposure, uh, adjacent industry that's emerging that we should take a, a second look at? Now, you know, we, we may not uh, admit it into that particular program, but maybe it belongs in a separate program. Um, so it also is kind of your own little idea factory. When you're saying no, you could take a look at it. You know, is it is it an opportunity? Um, and you know, we've found from time to time that we've been able to expand into adjacent areas uh, as a result of that. Um, so I think saying no, um, you know, is really an important part of what we do. Um, and I believe that Jeff and I both have, uh, we, we both, our organizations both have wholesale operations. So if we can't say yes in our program, uh, you know, perhaps it's a fit for another carrier in the open market. An example is you know, umbrella capacity is pretty tight right now. Mm -hmm. So if we need to get a $10 million umbrella, maybe we can do $5 million on our program and we can put another $5 million together um, through our wholesale facility and package it, as Troy said, to the broker so it's complete uh, and seamless. Yeah, spot on, Rich. That's exactly right. A lot yeah. of our, some of our existing programs have come from declinations. You know, our church program, our drug and alcohol program, they came from not fitting into our standard programs. And they, they've become programs under themselves. So, and the wholesale operation, it's spot on. Well, unfortunately, we are just about out of time, but I'd like to go around and get everyone's final thoughts. Just looking ahead, do you foresee a continued or perhaps even greater focus on specialization in the coming years? I'll go ahead and kick off. I, I do. I, it's, it just keeps compounding. Uh, I, it, our marketplace is getting bigger. It's not shrinking. There's a need for specialists out there. Uh, at every level of the business because the customer demands it. It's, it's, it's not because we want to sell more. We need to meet the customer where they want to be met. We need to connect with them the way they want to connect. But people want to do business with people they know and trust, and the people they trust are the experts. So it's only going to grow, in my opinion. Troy, I agree with you. I mean, the combination of capital and technology is creating change at a rate that's it's unbelievable. And, and that is going to create more and more opportunities for specialized insurance products, whether it's a product, as Jeff talked about earlier, cyber, uh, or it's a different type of exposure coming from an old industry. Um, and so I think of it as a mega trend, you know, really driven by capital, and, you know, and, and technology. Yeah, and I, I agree with both what Rich and, and Troy said. And if you go back, the customer is driving it. We and we're all customers, right? And we want to deal with experts. Right. So as, and I don't care if it's in the insurance business or in any house building industry or the tow truck, people want to deal with experts. They've done this repetitively and efficiently over time, and they will continue to do that. You know, that's, you know, that's branding, right? You know, that's why do we buy Apple? You know, why do you buy Nike shoes? Because it's, it's a consistent product. People want consistency in their lives. And I'll leave you with this. You know, we, We've all bought on Amazon. Why? Because it's quick, fast, and easy. Amazon is not the cheapest. You know, they used to say they're not the cheapest. It was proven that. But it's convenient and it's quick, and you're going to get something, and you know what's going to happen. That's what we, as an insurance business, have to deliver. And as experts, we can do that more efficiently, and, the, and we have greater satisfaction through, with our customers. 
Well, Jeff, Rich, Troy, thank you so much for a very informative and enlightening discussion. We will have a full slate of programs on the topic of succeeding in the new age of specialty coverage on AMBAS TV, as well as complete coverage in Best Review. Thanks so much for watching. For AMBAS TV, I'm Lori Chortis. Looking to get the full attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms that will do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day. Find out more by calling AM Best Advertising Sales at 908-439-2200, extension 5399, and have a great day.